Hello and welcome to The Personal Investor. I'm Ed Monk. Today on the show, our last of 2022, we're looking back on a year that investors would probably like to forget and forward to 2023 to ask whether things will begin to improve. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us, share us or leave a comment wherever you get your podcasts. Who knew that on the 3rd of January this year, markets would hit their high point for the entirety of 2022? The months since then have held little cheer for investors. And now, as we head into Christmas and the start of 2023, it's shaping up to be one of the worst calendar years for stock market returns in memory. So what comes next? And can a new year bring a welcome change of direction for investors? To talk it over, I'm joined by Tom Stevenson, Investment Director here at Fidelity. Tom, uh, let's start at the end, shall we? Um, We still have a few trading days left of 2022, but we can probably put uh, the performance of markets this year in some kind of historical context. So how bad has it been this year? It's been quite bad. Um, I think the the really significant feature of this year, though, has been uh, the breadth of the falls. So we've seen falls across many different asset classes and and, and geographical regions. So shares have have had a very bad year. You mentioned the the, the peak in the market on the 3rd of January. Well, by the the low point for the year, um, the S&P 500 was down 25%. So historically speaking, that's that's a pretty significant uh, downturn. But it wasn't just shares. Uh, Bonds also had uh, a bad year. Uh, Property had a bad year. Um, uh, Gold had an okay year. Some markets did okay. The the UK, for example, did better than than the US. So Mm. it was a mixed bag. But broadly speaking, it was quite difficult to find a safe haven this year. I mean, mean, probably commodities maybe would be an area that did okay for obvious reasons. Well, um, yes and no. I mean, uh, some commodities did okay. Oil and gas did well for for reasons which maybe we'll come on to. Um, uh, But other more industrial metals, copper, for example, had a bad year. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's um, look at the stock market a little bit more closely. I mean, I was looking at the historical returns to to get some kind of context for what's happened this year. And I reckon there's only been about six years since 1929, according to what I was looking at, that have been worse in percentage terms um, for US shares I'm talking about. it's always that if you historical data tends to be attached to the US market more than anywhere else. Yeah, well, that's um, where the, the longest the longest data yes. set is is in the US. That's so why. if this is um, the seventh worst year since 1929, that's pretty bad. However, there's a couple of things to say. Um, I said at the start that the, the year started on a high. It's been a bit of a sort of quirk, isn't it? That that the actual all of the all of the falls have been captured within the entirety of a calendar year. And and you might have had a similar sort of peak to trough fall many other times over history, but they ha- they've sort of spanned multiple years. And so it hasn't seemed as bad from a calendar year point of view, if you see what I mean. Yes, I think that's a good, that's a good point. Um, but actually, uh, the, the extent of the fall, 25%, does put this bear market pretty much in line with, um, uh, with historic uh, bear market averages for years when there hasn't been a recession. When you have a recession, um, the average tends to be a bit worse, maybe about 32, 33%, but 25% is is right up there for non-recessionary bear markets. Yeah, so compared to other bad years, this is relatively bad. Um, But there's another important thing to say here, which is that um, if you look back over history, you know, a fall of this kind, I mean, I don't know what, I think the American market is down about 20% today, perhaps. Yeah, even now, yeah. Um, And... You know, there there have been 
as, as I say, a handful of years that have been that bad and worse over over history. But there've been many, many more years where you've had a twenty percent positive return. I was I was looking, and I think it's about twenty one years since nineteen twenty nine that you've had that kind of return. So yes, it's bad, but it's sort of all part of the rich tapestry of stock markets. And hang on in there because you'll probably get more positive years than you have negative ones. And we've had very positive years in recent history. It's not as if you have to go back, you know, years and years and years to see the positive times. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right, Ed. There are there, there two points uh, to make there. One, there are more years when the market goes up. Mm. And the scale of the rises tends to be greater mm. than the scale of the, the falls. Add those together and you end up with the long range chart, which we're so familiar with, bottom left to top right. Market, stock markets tend to go up. Yeah. OK, well, let's look at why it's been so bad. Now, I, I, this will be well rehearsed from your point of view, I'm sure by now. Um, what has the story of the year been? Well, it's actually been a very simple story. Um, uh, the reason why... Markets have done so badly. Uh, this year, well, there have been two reasons. One has been inflation, and one has been interest rates. Everything else has really been uh, a, a knock-on from from yeah. those two principal features. And if you go back to the beginning of the year, we were already looking at both of these issues. Uh, inflation right. uh, was running at about six percent. Uh, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, Jay Powell, was last December saying uh, interest rates are going to have to rise to tackle inflation. So it was no surprise really that the market should peak at that point because uh, that's a very bad combination, inflation and rising interest rates and the markets sense that um, uh, it, that they, they needed to make an adjustment. The second part of the story this year though is related to the inflation uh, problem and it was really what was unexpected. We might have expected rising interest rates because of the comments from the Federal Reserve. What we didn't expect of course was the invasion of Ukraine mm -hmm. and the major economic impact of that has been on inflation because of the surge in, in energy costs. And really, if you put those two together, that explains um, everything that's happened in markets this year. It's quite a simple story. Yeah, and it's, and it's interesting. I mean, it was always going to be a, a kind of um, sort of pivot year because of central bank policy going into the year, even before any... I mean, in hindsight, we probably should have known that it was something up in, in Ukraine and Russia. I mean, that's another story, you know, mm. tanks on the border, blah, blah, blah. But um, we didn't expect it to happen. And um, But even... Without that, we would have been seeing interest rates going up. And that's a very uh, big moment because for years and years and years, we've had this ultra low um, interest rate policy. Um, yes, a pivot year, but not necessarily a pivot year like we've had, because I think go back 12 months and it's easy with hindsight to forget this. But 12 months ago, we were still thinking that the Federal Reserve could could tweak monetary policy, could tighten interest rates a bit. And that would be enough to get on top of inflation, to, to yeah. create this so-called soft landing, um, uh, whereby uh, inflation is cured, but we don't have a recession. That was the hope a year ago. Yeah, I mean, my, my sense of the year has been that in, in terms of markets and economies, we, 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 we sort of begin to fixate on on something and then something worse has come along. So, if you, you know, the, a lot of the news around, particularly around, you know, the time of the invasion of Ukraine was about, energy prices but it was actually it it doesn't take much for forward thinking to say well that's going to turn into a wider inflation problem then that's going to turn into an interest rate problem and a borrowing cost problem 
and now we have a, a recession problem, don't we? I mean, mm. and, and that's going to be, you know, we'll, we'll pine for the days when we were just worrying about energy bills. Yes, I, I agree with that to a certain extent. I mean, I think that we do fixate on uh, one thing and then something worse comes along until we fixate on something and something better comes along. Mm-hmm. And that's what uh, it's quite easy to miss that point as an investor because it's when we are gloomiest and when we're expecting something worse to come along that actually the market starts looking through that. Well, yeah, I mean, let's look at some more sort of, you know, some positive um, things for, for, the, for the last year. I mean, there has been moments, particularly since the summer, that uh, it's looked like this equation around inflation and interest rates might change. Um, where are we now with expectations for, for price rises? Have they peaked? And interest rates, um, have those rises peaked? Or is the end in sight for those rises? Well, I think uh, as far as inflation goes, I think that there is fairly clear evidence on both sides of the Atlantic that we have reached the peak. I mean, there's just there's a sort of arithmetical um, point about this, that the year-on-year comparisons tend to get better. Um, and so inflation will fall even though prices are still high. So yeah. the fact that inflation is falling doesn't mean that there isn't a cost of living crisis and it's going to be a tough year for households uh, next year. But the rate of inflation could actually fall quite quickly, just as it rose very quickly because of the year-on-year uh, comparisons. So in the US, we've seen inflation falling down to uh, now just over 7%. Um, it's still in double digits here, but it, but it is uh, lower than its peak. Mm-hmm. So my um, feeling is that inflation is going to come down pretty quickly um, next year. It may well end up at a slightly higher point than the previous um, central bank's target. That, that 2% target looks like That's a bit of a low, stretch. Um, and indeed, I think that policy may well uh, want to encourage a slightly higher rate. But I do think that inflation is going to come down to three or four percent quite quickly. As for interest rates, um, I think once the um, central banks realise that that process is underway, they will start to uh, ease back on, on the monetary tightening. My fear is that because of what's happened in the past, in particular in the 1970s, when inflation was allowed to run out of uh, control because the central bank was too slow, um, I think that there will be a tendency for central banks to uh, to wait before they before they start cutting interest rates, just to make sure uh, that they that they haven't moved too too quickly, and that could be uh, the the trigger of a deeper recession than we need to have really. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. If you if you were a central banker, I mean, your your main job is to get inflation under control, but you don't want to oversee a massive recession. No, um, a recession that you. I mean, this is the nature of central bank policy. It's you, a balancing you, act. Yeah, yeah, and there will become a tipping point, won't there? Won't there? When when people will say, "Hold on, yes, prices are high, but we, you know, we also like our job, and we, <laughs> you know, we like being able to pay the mortgage and what have you." Mm. And it's hard for central banks to be completely. Um, sort of inured to to that pressure, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, I mean, to, to take the Federal Reserve as an example, they have uh, they have a, a mixed remit. They they their, their remit includes um, uh, keeping inflation close to target, but there's also a a, a stability, financial stability uh, remit as well. So uh, they do need to watch uh, the economy as well as uh, inflation. Um, uh, when they're when they're thinking about monetary policy, so I think the net result of all this is that 
um, interest rates will will peak not a great deal higher than they are at the moment. We've already seen um, last week um, that the, the, the pace of increase of, of uh, interest rates has slowed um, from 0.75 percentage points to 0.5 percentage points. And that was true of the Fed the ECB and the Bank of England. Mm. So I think that by next summer, say May or June, uh, I think that the the Federal Reserve will have gone as far as they feel they need to, which will be about between five and five and a quarter percent, I think. And then I think they'll wait and they'll see They'll wait to see the impact of the of the the moves that they've made so far. Well, as someone on a tracker mortgage, uh, that can't come soon enough. Mm. Um, uh, well, we let's let's look forward to next year a bit more. I mean, we've done some of this in terms of central bank policy, but um, we seem likely to start twenty twenty three in recession or near recession, certainly in the UK. The US is a slightly different question, but people are quite gloomy there as well. Can stock markets really recover in those circumstances, or? Are we going to need to see economic activity improving or at least apparently being robust? Well, the good thing about stock markets is that they tend to preempt movements in the actual economy. So you will tend to see stock markets beginning to rise again um, about six months before you start to see improvements in, in the actual economy. I think looking at the the specifics of it, I think that what we haven't seen so far uh, in this cycle is we haven't seen a decline in corporate earnings. Um, and and I think that the, the way that the stock market is valued at the moment, it's, it's not quite pricing in a significant fall in earnings. And whether there is a significant fall or just a modest fall in earnings will depend really on on how deep the recession is or indeed in the US whether there is a recession uh, at all. So I think that's what we need to keep an eye on uh, is is corporate earnings. Um, But even when that process begins, let's let's say that we do move into recession and corporate earnings start to decline, the stock market will start looking through that process. Because remember, when that's happening, the central banks will probably start to ease policy as well. So that will encourage stock markets to look forward to to better times. So my feeling is that we're probably not at the bottom just yet because we haven't seen this, the the earnings shoe hasn't dropped, if you like. Um, We're not quite at the bottom, uh, but I do think that the bottom will be reached in, in 2023. And I think for an investor... The important thing is to start positioning yourself for that recovery, because when when the market does bottom out, you want to be fully invested. And it's human nature not to be fully invested when Mm. the market is falling and and there's a lot of anxiety about the global situation. But that's precisely the time when you want to be positioning yourself. So, you know, my recommendation to investors would be to, to drip money into the market throughout the early part of 2023. If the market continues to fall, well, that's great because you're going to be buying more assets for a cheaper price yeah and if i'm wrong and the market actually takes off sooner than than the well who's going to be complaining yeah well and, and this is the time of year tom when um you know the big institutions put out their forecasts for stock markets in the next year and often these are quite sort of uh, panglossian aren't they and uh, optimistic you know there's reasons that they might be optimistic um but i noticed that there is quite a lot of pessimism even amongst the sort of you know the big you know Goldman Sachs or whoever you know saying that there might be a small rise in in the market next year but there's also a much 
there's an equal chance of a much greater fall, if you see mm. what I mean. The range of possibilities mm. skews to the downside. Um, where do you feel, to put you on the spot, that markets will be in a year's time? And um, what are you going to be watching? I mean, you've mentioned earnings, but is anything, any other bellwethers? Well, I think 2023 is going to be a year of transition. Um, and that's going to require a lot of patience um, from investors. I think there's there's general agreement uh, about the, the shape of the market from here, which is that it probably goes a bit lower. I think that October low is probably not the low for this bear market. But for the reasons that I explained about valuations moving ahead of um, uh, earnings, I think that the actual low may not be a great deal lower than the low that we saw in October. So I think the question really is one of timing, is when does that, when does that bottom occur? And for me, I think the significance is really uh, the sense that we've hit the peak in interest rates. Um, and I think we'll get a much clearer idea of that um, in the spring and summer uh, of next year. So my feeling is that the bottom in the market probably comes mid-year, uh, and that we end the year marginally higher than we started. Okay, okay. Well, Tom, that is all the time that we have for this week and indeed this year. The podcast will now take a break until January, so it only remains for me to thank you, Tom, uh, for joining me this year and to thank our ever-dependable and patient studio team, Connor Bailey and Callum Blitz, and to wish all our listeners a peaceful Christmas and a prosperous new year. See you all in 2023. You've been listening to the Money Talk podcast. Check fidelity.co.uk for daily written updates and articles on these and other topics from across Fidelity in the UK. And subscribe via iTunes to get the podcast downloaded direct to your devices every week. Please note that the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. Investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to one of Fidelity's advisors or an authorised financial advisor of your choice. Overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more volatile volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to the specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product may not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. This podcast is meant only for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or a solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.